It's a blessing to be here with you guys. Uh, I was a little surprised getting Pastor Ed to ask me to share this evening with you about higher purpose for marriage. Since just two weeks ago, the Lord blessed me by uh, giving me a wonderful, beautiful Filipina wife. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'll be sharing with you a little bit about that uh, later on through the message. So, so it is a blessing for me to be able to share on this topic. Uh, because it really is very fresh in, uh, in my mind and also going through it right now. So, uh, talking about the different messages, the different things that Pastor Ed has been sharing about, you know, about Genesis 1, higher purpose of marriage. What we, what we see in this uh, text, um, in, the, in the text of Genesis 2, 18 to 25, God had created everything, every, every living thing, right? He created through His Word. He was able to create everything. Uh, but then, again, uh, after he had created everything, he gave to man the responsibility to be able to name every every animal, every species that we that exists today. So he gave him a job. But then God saw that there was not no animal, nothing that was suitable for him. So he said, I will create uh, a helper, helpmate for him. So what he did, so one of the things that God sees in our lives, uh, being single in the past, one of the things that God sees you as a single person, that there's a moment in your life that he sees your loneliness. You could be with people, uh, a lot of people in a big place, but you can still feel lonely. Have you, have any of you felt like that? No? That was the only one, I guess? <laughs> So, you know, you could be with a lot of people and you could be having a good time and everything, but there's something that is missing in you, in your life. And you know what that is? God created us with that sense of, uh, you know, having companionship, having a partnership. So God created man, created woman, for them to be in unity, for them to be uh, complete in one. So when you're single and you feel that part of being lonely, then that means that God perhaps is preparing you for marriage. God is preparing because he's preparing a partner for you. So that's one of the things that God saw in Adam and God sees in each one of us. The second thing that you know we can see in the text is that God placed a deep sleep in Adam, you know, and then out of that he basically created woman, he created Eve. So that tells us that there's sometimes time that God is going to take some time to bring that partner in your life either a woman or a man, right? Depending, depending on what you're praying for. Uh, for me, in my case, like I just shared with you, uh, it took five years. I met Christine back in 2014 in a camp here in Carolina, uh, that, a camp that we sponsor for uh, children and youth. And at that moment when I met her, I, I saw her, uh, I felt a tug in my heart. I feel something like God was saying, that's the person that I have for you, but not yet. Oh, I said, God, why not? I want to, you know, sometimes you want to be able to start a relationship, get married, and, and be able to see everything that God wants to do with you in your life. And God said, no, it's not time yet. So five years, almost five years passed. The time came two weeks ago that I was able to marry her. And, you know, that, and as I was waiting for her when she was walking in the aisle, I was so emotional. And I was so happy that everybody said, you know, you showed it. You were smiling from year to year. You can, we can see you, even your missing teeth or gums, right? 
Uh, and I was so happy, and I was crying. I started to cry. Uh, and I was not cry, crying because I was sad, but I was crying because I was so happy because uh, I'm a living testimony of God's redemption. What does that mean? That uh, sometimes we make mistakes in our lives. We make bad decisions in our lives. You know, sometimes we disobey God, and that brings pain and brokenness into our lives. And, but see, God is a God of love, God of compassion, and at the same time, you know, He sees that when you make mistakes and you repent for your mistakes, God restores you and He gives you what He had intended or planned for your life. And that's what happened with me. I made some mistakes in the past that brought me a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, uh, and I went through a, a period of, you know, of just healing and res restoration. But then I was able to see and sense and live out God's uh, amazing redemption plan for my life. Uh, in the fact, you know, in the, in the sense of uh, bringing Christine to my life. God, after God places deep sleep in Adam, he takes out the woman, creates a woman, a helpmate for him. The Bible says that he took, a tea, took Eve from the rib, which is a, the, our sign, and it's a tender part. So meaning, you know, men, we should always treat our wives, women, with tenderness, with loving, with love, with care. Uh, and a pastor, pastor I mentioned this morning, you know, God did not create a woman, you know, took, he did not take her out of the head, so she would not be able to control men. He did not take her out of his feet, so men would not be able to step on her. No, but he took her out of the side, meaning a tender part. And so that is very important. Someone has said that when God was creating everything, God says, it is good. When God made man, it was, his, it was a climax of his creation. It was like the ultimate thing. But then when God made woman and took her out of, out of man, it was the masterpiece. See, woman, amen, woman, young ladies, you're masterpieces of God, amen? That's how God sees you. You're a masterpiece. So man, as a climax, is the, oh, the most amazing thing God created after all the animals and everything that he created, all the creatures. But then the woman is the masterpiece of God. And many people say, many theologians say that woman is very close to the heart of God because in so many ways she identifies herself you know, with how God acts towards children towards other people. We see that God made man in his image, male and female. Man will be man and men should be reflect. Men should reflect God's image in creation. However man disobeyed and was separated from God. Yet God's image remains. The consequences of the fall eternal and physical death, man would struggle against the forces of nature in himself and in his environment. So God created man, man and woman. Nowadays, sadly enough, we, uh, we have come to, you know, we, we have a struggle in a sense today with uh, same-sex marriages, men and men, women and women. And so what, is the, what should be the position of us as Christians? as children of God? Do we reject, do we uh, condemn, you know, those persons that say, well, you know, I don't like women, I like only men, 
I don't like a girl. I mean, I don't, I don't like a guy. I only like a girl. You know, lesbians or homosexuals. Do we condemn them? Do we judge them? No. The Bible says that we should love them. We should love them. Not accept their sin. Not be able to, you know, say it's okay for you what you're doing, what you're practicing. But we cannot condemn you. We love you. Jesus showed us this in his life when he was here on earth. That at one point there was one woman that was caught in adultery. You remember that pastor, remember that time? And then the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus. And they said, they said Lord, they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So the law says, Moses' law, the law Moses says that she should be stoned. But what's interesting is that it was supposed to be men and the woman. Both of them should be the ones to be stoned, not just the woman. But the Pharisees only wanted the woman to be killed. So they asked, they pressed Jesus and they pressed him. And they said, Lord, what do we do? What do, we, you know, what, what do you say? What do we do with this woman? And Jesus, the Bible says that he was riding on the floor. And as he was riding, they kept on pressing him, pressing him. And suddenly he says, he stood up and he says, whoever is free from any sin, be the first one to throw the stone. And you know, the Bible says that everyone's conscience started accusing them and they started dropping their stone. And they all left. And there was only one person that was with that woman, and that was Jesus. Jesus went to the woman, and they said, what happened? Where's everyone that was accusing you? Where's everyone that was, you know, wanting to kill you? And she just looked up and she says, they're gone. They're, they're not here, Lord. He says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, that woman left. She never followed her. She never continued her practice of disobedience or being involved in adultery. She followed Jesus actually after that. Grace was ex extended and intended and lived out that moment. What is grace? What is the definition of grace? What is the grace of God? It is unmerited favor. Meaning, we get what we do not deserve. As sinners, we deserve to go to hell. As sinners, we deserve to be separated from God eternally. We deserve to be punished for our sin, whatever that sin may be. Small, big, it doesn't matter. Lying, you know, committing murder, uh, adultery, fornication, whatever it may be. Sin is sin. For our sin, the consequences of our sin should be separation from God, but consequences of our sin. Now, grace, the Bible says that grace is unmerited favor. Meaning you do not get what you deserve. You get the opposite. You get God's blessing upon your life, you know, instead of getting what you deserve. So that is grace. That is the grace of God. So the grace of God was extended to this woman. This woman definitely had sinned. And then she was caught in the act of adultery. She totally deserved to die. But grace... Jesus is the grace of God, the love of God, manifested. So what happens is he extends that grace to her. He says, neither do I condemn you. You see Jesus' life, he never condemned anyone. But he loved people. The people that, that he abhorred and that he could not stand was Pharisees. Because the Pharisees always wanted to implode you know, their laws and their customs and 
being, you know, I mean, I'm righteous, you know, they will be well, well dressed, and they will always look people down and say, oh, you know, you are a sinner, you're a publican, you're a tax collector, you're a prostitute. I pray three times a day, I give my time, you know, I am a good man. That's how they will speak. And Jesus called them whitewash superbooks or tombs. He will call them all kinds of names. You know why? Because they were hypocrites. Only from the outside they looked very good, but in the inside they were very they were very bad. And only condemning and putting people down. You're trying to exercise the law. But Jesus, on the other hand, he exemplified, he lived out the true love of God, the true grace of God. When you face people that perhaps are in a relationship, homosexual relationship, lesbian, you know, lesbian relationship, you don't condemn them. You love them. Because God intended for you to be your young lady, your young man. Whatever happened to you, you were abused. You were neglected by your father and your mother. And Satan penetrated your mind and basically said, oh, you're a man. I mean, you're, you're a man, but you're a girl. Confused your mind, your identity. You can tell them, God created you who you are, not something else. Many years ago, my auntie had a brother, and her brother, at the age of 10 years old, he was sexually molested. And when he was molested, he grew up to be 12, 13 years old. 14 years old, he was able to leave from Mexico to the U.S. And he lived a lifestyle of homosexual. He had many partners. This is back in the 80s. Uh, AIDS was not known as a disease in that time. So he lived for many years, different partners, different persons. He had a lot of uh, dresses and all kinds of things that women use. And he, didn't, he did not care, he, was, he had no shame in saying that he was gay. Then one day, he came to visit my auntie. And when he came to visit my auntie, uh, my mother looked at him and, she, and he, she just looked at him straight in the eye and she said, Jesus loves you. This, he was sorry, he said, he says, you don't know what kind of person I am, what I've done. He says, why do you say that God loves me? He says, maybe he does not love me, you're wrong. You're wrong in saying that he loves me. He says, my mom and I and everyone knew his lifestyle, but she still said, Jesus loves you. And those words were really dear to his heart, and he could not let those words just simply stay there. So he came back and visited us again, visited his sister again, because he wanted to talk to my mom again. My mom again told him, Jesus loves you, and he wants to change your life. And then he said, I lived a lifestyle of homosexuality for 30 years. I don't know if I'm sick. I don't know how long I'm going to live. He says, do you think God can forgive me? Yes. God can forgive you because God created you a man, not a woman. That things happen in your life, that Satan came and tried to destroy your life, is a different thing. You're living the consequences of the actions of other people. But God still loves you. He shed his blood on the cross for your sin and for your life. So therefore, he has a purpose for you. 
this man said, if God can change my life, I'm willing to serve him the rest of my life. That moment, the man went on his knees, and right there in our living room, the house, my mama prayed for him. He was liberated from different demons that he had. As he went down in the floor, he started moving like a snake, howling and, and, and screaming. Suddenly, until he was completely free. He was set free completely. To the point that he said, where am I? Where am I? Where am I at? He says, you're here in my sister's house. You're still my sister, your sister. He didn't know where he was at. God freed him. He went back to uh, Hollywood where he lived. Told his partner, he says, you know what? Go home. I don't want to be with you anymore. But well, what happened to you? What did they do there in that house? He says, something amazing happened. Jesus encountered my life. Jesus changed my life. I am free. I am set free. I am a man. Go back to your wife. That man had a, a, a wife and children. Go back to your wife. I don't want to be with you. He threw and burned everything that he had. Everything that he had. God for years, he threw it all up. Went to the local church, Christian church, and he says, Pastor, this is my name is so-and-so. I was just, I just accepted Christ. I just received the forgiveness of my sins. I lived a lifestyle of homosexuality for 30 years. I want to serve God. I want to get baptized. What do I need to do to follow Jesus? The pastor says you should join a discipleship group. You should come, take some classes so you can get baptized. And he started serving God for the next year, two years. After that, he got sick. And it was discovered that he had AIDS. And then he went, he went and he passed away, but he died in Jesus. Why am I sharing this story with you? Because it's an example that we should never judge anyone else. Not a person that is gay, not a woman that is a lesbian, no. We should love them. Because Jesus loved them. That's what God wants us to do. You see, God has a purpose, a purpose for that man, for that woman, for that marriage. By the grace of God, the consequences of eternal death is reversed through faith in Christ like that happened with my friend, who will one day also defeat physical death by redeeming our bodies in the final resurrection. However, humankind will continue to battle the consequences of the fall, the forces of nature, and even the weaknesses within himself. In spite of all remaining consequences, the mandate has not changed, and the desired marriage has not changed. The partnership, the intimacy, and the multiplication of God's image on earth in order to fulfill His purpose shall be, shall be and must be fulfilled. When God brings a man and a woman together, it's for a purpose, a greater purpose. Yes, to uh, be able to have children, to be able to have pleasure, all those things are, you know, part of being married, but it's not the ultimate call or mandate that God has instituted for each one of us. God has called us for a divine purpose. He has a purpose for each one, either whether you're single or whether you're married. You see, when you, when we live in this life, we just don't pass, we, we don't live life just like to live life. We have to have a purpose, a higher purpose. And what is the purpose as Christians, as followers of Christ, what is that purpose in our lives? What should that be? Well, it should be the fact 
evangelism. We should be able to reach out to other people that don't know Christ. Because the only thing that one day you and I are going to take, you know, from this earth, well, you know, when we pass away, if Jesus does not come back, and we're caught in the rapture, it is souls, souls, not anything else. Many years ago, I visited, I was in Egypt, had the opportunity to visit the pyramids, the Mount Sinai, but one of the places that I visited was in a, a small town called Siwa. Siwa is a place that is outside of Cairo, and then I visited this place that is it's a cemetery, and people were buried there with uh, everything that they, it belongs, except the house and big things, but if they had jewelry, they had money, they had uh, favorite foods, uh, favorite cologne or perfumes or whatever, they would put them in the casket. And so you know what would happen after everyone would go to the cemetery and mourn and cry, you know, like normal things. And then after a few days, then some thieves will come in and will open the grave and will take everything. And they would just throw the body there. And so we, was, we actually saw human bones in different areas. It's amazing because these people believe in predestination, meaning when I live in the other life, I'm going to need money. I'm going to need this, need that. And you know what? Sadly enough, many people believe in that today. When, you, when we die, you don't take anything. Nothing. When we die, we will go before the presence of God, and we're going to be judged for everything that we have done. Now, if we, have, if we know Jesus, the first thing that is going to happen when we enter into heaven, go to heaven, is there will be a book. It's called the Book of Life. That book, if it has your name, you'll be able to enter to the presence of God for eternity and be in heaven. If it's not there, you're not going to be in heaven. And oh, but it's, it's a, obviously, obviously, you know, it's a, as Christians, our hope and our assurance is that we're saved. Amen? And that one day if we die, we're going to be able to be in the presence of God. But sadly enough, there's people that end up dying and they think, and even in their funerals, oh, he's in heaven, she's in heaven, he's, she was a good man. I mean, he was a good man, she was a good woman, so, you know, she never did anything bad, so she's in heaven. And it's not true. Those people, if they die without Christ, they go to hell. They go to hell, and that's the reality, that's real. I think I share with you guys a testimony by my own brother, who was shot and killed 22 years ago. He was only 19 years old, and uh, the bullet that he was shot with actually entered him at his side and ended up ricocheting through his body, basically tore his uh, uh, one of his lungs, uh, esophagus. Several parts of his body were damaged, severely damaged. And my brother died on the operating bed, operating room. And as he died, he saw himself there, laying there, with full of blood and everything. And he saw his soul, Kalulua, is that the right term? Kalulua, he saw himself, I was like, oh my, I'm dead. And then he was completely naked. And suddenly he started descending through a deep black hole and he was going to hell. As he was getting near hell, 
he started to hear loud screams. And it was getting hotter and hotter and hotter as he was getting closer. He was descending at a very uh, high speed. As he's descending, my brother knew Christ, knew about God when he was a little child. But he had departed away from God. And he had become a gang member and had been involved in, 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 in gang, I mean, in violence and all kinds of you know, drugs and all kinds of sin. So he started to scream and said, God help me and give me one more chance. I was with my mother here on earth, and it was my mother that she had been in the hospital since 2 o'clock in the morning. I was with her and said, Mom, your son just died. You imagine giving those news to your mother. I had heard through the intercom, code blue, code blue. That's the code that they use in the U.S. I don't know what it is here in the Philippines. So I told my mom, your son is dead. And we both knew that he was descending into hell because he lived, he died in his sin. So what we did with my mom, we started crying and said, Lord, you tell us, you tell us in your word that you and your household will be saved. So my brother is our household. That's my mother's son. That's my brother. Give him one more chance, God. One more chance. After five minutes, cold blew off. Cold blew off. Praise God. My brother came back. The Lord brought him back. We went to ICU. He was intubated. He was in an oxygen tank. He had all kinds of tubes over his body. The doctor said he will not last 24 hours. He will die today. In our minds, we said, well, doctor, we respect your opinion, but God determines who, when the person is going to die or not. My brother survived. The Lord allowed him that day, and my mom says, son, would you like to repent and ask Jesus to forgive you from all your sins? And my brother, he could not talk, so he was just grabbing my mom's hand, full of blood, and just, yes, mama, I want to repent. My brother repented of his sins. The Lord allowed him to live two and a half months, went home. But then one day, his friends came to visit him from his uh, fraternity group, from his gang. Then he changed. And then he was very disrespectful with my mom. Asking her to leave the room. Don't talk to my friend about Jesus. So the Lord spoke to my mom. He says, I love your son so much, more than you. I love him so much that I'm going to take him. Because if I let him stay, he will get lost again. And this time I cannot save him. And my mom says, okay, Lord, let your will be done. You know what happened? My brother, a few days later, he got sick, ended up in the hospital, got pneumonia, and then he passed away. 19 years old. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother so your days will be prolonged. You dishonor your father and your mother, your days will be cut short. Young people, I have seen that in my own family. But God had mercy upon my brother. And he's saved him. And he's in heaven. He's not in heaven because he was a good boy. Because he was not a good boy. And I actually know some of the people that he took their life. He was not a good boy. He was not. So he said, God made men and women, male and female. 
for us to be able to take care of the earth, word. God gave man word to name all the creatures, then he fashioned woman from his run to be his partner. A helpmate of the man. The presentation of Eve and Adam is a context of work and of the need for companionship. By the grace of God, in the five years that we have been here in the Philippines, you know, being able to serve God, we have been able to do a few things for, for His kingdom and be able to reach out to young, young children, men and women. Some people have come to know Christ. But yet I believe that God has a greater plan for my life now that I'm married with my wife. That we can do greater things for His kingdom. You see, God never brings you together with a person, with your wife or husband, just to bring you together. God has a greater purpose. And that purpose is for you to fulfill His mandate. And that mandate is to be able to bring other people to Christ. Amen? God designed marriage to be the most intimate relationship, relationship among humans. There's a certain separation from the one's, one's own family in order to, to be intimate with your wife. So whenever we are going to get married, the, the man has to leave his father and his mother. There's a separation. But then there's a unity. There's a union between a man and a woman. And so that sometimes is easy for some people, sometimes it's hard. Um, just a few days ago I experienced in talking to a couple that is soon to be married and uh, as I was observing the young lady, you know, uh, watching her fiancé and she was talking, the fiancé was talking with his mom and she was listening to what I was saying but then she was looking at her fiancé and the mom and they're like, what are they talking about? They're like, I, mean, I could sense it in her as oh my, it's going to be a little bit difficult for her to let her fiancé know that there's the unity within the mom. So the separation sometimes is hard. It's hard for some people, but it has to happen so God's blessing can be upon the couple. Amen? Applications. Leaders should recognize God's higher purpose for marriage and His overall plan. Do not deviate from it. In the Old Testament, we are to rule over the earth, meaning to take care of it. In the New Testament, is to make disciples. I'll share with you a testimony about a couple that really impacted my life many years ago. Talking about the higher purpose of marriage. I met Joshua and Maria, um, let's say 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago when I was working with, with an agency that actually offers foster and adoption to families within the Christian community. And this couple, uh, they're associate pastors in a church. They were in their late 50s. Both of them, they married. They have two children. They have a house. They have a job. And so they're doing some things for the Lord and taking care of their families. But one day, they went to this uh, meeting to hear more about, you know, children that have been battered, abused, and neglected. And as they listened to this presentation, God really touched and impacted the life of Joshua. And he was like, he was in tears, and, and he started speaking to the Lord and said, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do, Lord? And the Lord said to Joshua, he says, I want you to be a father to many. And I said, Lord, but how can I do that? 
Well, he says, I will show you. The most important question is, are you willing to open your heart, open your house, to be able to father a lot of children? And he says, yes, I am, Lord. I just need to talk to my wife. He says, don't worry, I already placed something in her heart, too. So they both talk, and they agree to be licensed foster and adoption parents. So for the next 20 years, Joshua and Maria brought into their home more than 100 children in different times. Their home had only two bedrooms, so they would occupy the bedrooms, you know, and some children would stay for one week, one month, one year, two years. But in one, in 20 years, they, they fostered and helped more than 100 children. These children, the way they would come to the house, many of them were abused, neglected, they were angry, they were mad. And you know what Joshua and Maria would do to these children as they would come in? They would just hug them and cry with them. Sometimes the children were so mad that they were hitting them, they would be slapping them and trying to do things to them. And they could just, all they did is just hug them. And they would say, they would take the place of their father, the mother says, Son, daughter, I am so sorry, so sorry. Please forgive me, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you. I love you. And these kids will stop. They will completely surrender, just let go. And they will have many questions. What did I do? What did I do in my life that I have deserted? That I lost my dad and my mom? Why is my father abusing my mom? Why is he hitting me? Why did he try to hurt me? questions that these children want to ask. Joshua and Maria receive a higher calling to love these kids. Just love on them and show them the love of God. Embrace them. Be good fathers, good models to these kids. For 20 years, this man loved children. You know, it's amazing. Uh, I was so blessed to have met him. He had a wall of fame that he called in his house. And he had a picture of every child that had been to his house. Every child. Different nationalities, African-American, Mexican, different nationalities. One day, Josh got sick. And he, after he had worked in a, in a mine, he had, he got cancer because he lost asbestos that went to his lungs, and he had lung cancer, and he only lived Less than a year. He passed away at the age of 65, 67 years old. I went to his funeral, and there was many people there. And one thing that really touched my heart, that I started crying when I saw this scene, was these young men, young ladies, that were going to the casket, and they were just putting their hands on the casket, and they were saying, this is my father. This is my papa, my papa. And they will be crying and say, Papa, I will never forget. I will never forget what you did for me. I will never forget how you embraced me. I will never forget the words that you told me, Papa. I am a professional. I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. I am now married. I have children. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Those were the words of these children. Now, grown up. 
after 20 years. Joshua fulfilled God's purpose with Maria. Maria, until now, she's still fostering children, even though her father, I mean, her husband passed away. She's still doing it. We are created for a purpose. The purpose is that we have to continue to replace the image of God upon other men, women. And our purpose is that we have to be a blessing to someone else. We have to show the love of God to someone else. Many years ago I met a young man in South America and I was part, he was part of my DJ and uh, we would greet with the men, shake hands. I always like to give hugs, some of you guys know that. Uh, that's, I think that's a little bit not, not normal here, but you know, I try to manifest the love of God through doing that, men and women. So I did that with all these men, young ladies there, and my DJ. And there was a young man that he was kind of hesitant to allow me, allow me to hug him. He was like, he was just giving his hand. He said, what's wrong? I said, I didn't understand, but I, he said, I'm sorry, I don't like handshake. Can I just give you a hug? And he says, okay. Little by little, he started allowing me to hug him. Later on, after several years that we had been in the DJ, uh, he expected for me to hug him every time I saw him. And when I would not do it, he would ask me, why didn't you give me a hug today? He was already like used to that. Like that Bonilla, you know, it was his birthday, and he doesn't like hugs either. Uh, so I went up to him and he wants to shake my hands. No, I don't want no, you know that I like hugs. He looks at me like, oh my God, what is he going to, I'm not going to do nothing, I'm just going to give you a hug. This man, this young man that I met, later on he told me, his name is Juan, John, he says, Gustavo, he says, you know, my father abandoned me when I was just a little child. So I had a lot of anger, a lot of hatred towards my dad. So I could not receive the love or affection from man. It's hard. I had grown hard, cold in my heart. So when you started doing that, I sense that God was using your life to break something in me. And so now I have been healed. I can see that God loves me and he's showing it, he showed that through me. Now he calls me, he says, Gustav, when are you coming back so you can give me a hug? We are called for a greater purpose. Sometimes we have to find out what is that purpose that God created us for. And you know, there's a lot of people in our family, there's a lot of people in our job, in school, that are crying out for help, they're crying out for love, they're crying out for someone to show them that there is a God that loves them. We are God's image, amen? We are God's hands. We are God's arms. If you would allow God to use you, you could touch, you could save someone. Because that's the only thing that we can do. It is to be able to show other people the love of God and for people to know that there is a God 
in heaven that loves people. We cannot judge because God has not judged us. God loves each one of us. Whatever pain and brokenness we have gone through in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, you can use that for good or for evil. You can use it to be able to help someone else, or you can use it to hurt someone else. God may want us to use that to be a blessing to someone else. To conclude this evening, we have an enemy, and our enemy is Satan. Amen? Satan, the, the Word of God says that he has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His ultimate goal, goal for you and for me is to kill you, to destroy you, and to steal everything from you. That's his goal. That's our enemy. But Jesus, on the other hand, he came to give us life and give us life in abundance. He came to give us a purpose, a reason, a reason to live in him. Now, some of us have gone through brokenness. Satan has used people throughout our life to hurt us. Amen? And we have, some of us have experienced brokenness and pain because of other people's selfish and self-centered decisions. Sometimes we have experienced pain and brokenness in our lives because of bad decisions that we have made our own, on our own. But God never changes His purpose or plan for your life or for my life. His plan is going to be fulfilled in our lives. So you have to recognize that whatever has happened in your life, bad or good, God is using, like Romans 8, 28, God uses it for good, to be good, a good thing for someone else. I will not be able to understand children that have been abandoned, abused, and neglected if I had not experienced that in my own life. I, have not, I would not be able to understand what is brokenness in a marriage if I had not gone through the same thing myself. I can understand people that have gone through the same thing that I went through. Before, I would be angry, I would be upset with my parents, my family members, you know, that was you, you, because of you, you left me, you abandoned me, that's the reason I suffer, I went through pain. Later on in life, as God showed me, no son, those things happen, but I use those things so you could understand others. Five years ago, six years, years ago, God brought me to this nation. I never in my, in my mind imagined that I would come here to the Philippines and serve here. I love God, but I love Filipinos. I love especially children. If I had not gone through what I went through in my life, I would not be able to have come here six years ago and started ministering to children in an orphanage. Being able to understand other people that have gone through brokenness. Because I have gone through it. You see, I understand. And I am a testimony, living testimony of God's amazing grace and redemption. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. That have caused me a lot of pain. But I understand God's grace. And I understand His forgiveness.
And I understand that God does not give up on people. Even when you fail, when you make mistakes, when you sin, when you fall, God picks you up. And He says, come on, son, let's continue our journey. I'm not done with you. He continues to believe. Other people may not believe. Other people may give up on you when you fail. He's never going to accomplish anything. He's never going to do anything in his life. Oh, but God created you with a purpose, a higher purpose in your marriage, in your life, so you could be a blessing to other people. We have to pray. We have to say, Lord, what is the purpose? Why am I here? Why am I living? Sometimes God has blessed us, you know, financially, with a business, a house, car, money. All those things are going to stay here. You're not going to take anything. I'm not going to take anything. It is how you use the resources that God has given you to expand the kingdom of God. And what is expanding the kingdom of God? To really be able to reach out to other people, talk to them about Jesus, and tell them that there is a God in heaven that loves them and that has a purpose, and that purpose is for them to be able to be children and daughters of God. So one day they can be in heaven for eternity, and they will, their souls will not get lost. If we're not using the resources that God has given us to reach out to people, to love people, we're not doing God's mandate. We're not following His His mandate for our lives. Because everything here is temporary. It will stay here. The Bible says, make treasures in heaven where nothing or no one can touch it. Don't make treasures here on earth. Because everything is going to stay here. Can we pray? Dear God, thank you, Lord, for the mandate that you have given us, God, for the purpose that you have given us, O oh Lord, for every married couple here, for every man, every woman, God, every single young man, young lady that is here. You have a purpose, O oh God, a higher purpose. Allow us to understand in our minds and our hearts that we're not here just by accident. That we are here because you have called us to a higher purpose, God, in this world. And that is for every person in Nada City to come to know Jesus. Reminded God of this man that you allowed me to meet. That was a great example for me, Joshua and Maria. Who at an age of 50 years old, he just opened his heart, opened his house to love children. Dear God, perhaps we're not all of us are here to call to bless, to be a blessing to children. But we are called to be a blessing to others. 
So dear God, I just pray, Lord, for every one of my brothers and my sisters here, for your church, for you to instill in us a deep desire, God, to know what is the purpose that you created us for. Father, that we can love one another here in our church, and that the world may see, oh, we know that they're your children, God, because they love one another. And Father, that we can also love one another, love you, God, and show it in the outside, in our jobs, in our schools, in the grocery stores. Give us a heart of compassion, God, for the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I ask everyone to please stand? And before we leave, can we do one thing before we leave? Can I just ask you if you can just find one person to your right, to your left, and just pray for that person? Can you do that, please? Just to find a person to your right, to your left, just go out and just pray for that person. Pray that God will be able to show that person their higher purpose. Just go ahead and pray for that person. Just go ahead. Just, just, you can pray for the person next to you.